0: I'm so thankful to be friends with Emily, have her as a co-host whenever she's available. And I think you guys will really enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Train for Ultra podcast, episode 181. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Can you hear me okay?
1: Yeah, I can.
0: Okay. I'm just going to double check. Let's see, is that
1: it's kind of like a reverberation on your end. Is that better? Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, I just figured instead of texting, we might as well use the opportunity to record a quick episode and because I honestly I, I would probably be asking you exactly the same thing regardless.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's I awesome. mean that's how the podcast goes essentially. Do you want me to just open it up here and we'll just shoot the shit?
1: Yeah, perfect. Sounds great.
0: Awesome. I'm I'm joined here by Emily Howgood, fresh off her awesome UTMB race. You might remember her from co-hosting an episode or two, and then also having that really epic episode about her not giving up and getting into Western States, and then converting that into just one of the better races I've seen at top ten. Uh, once again there so emily thank you for joining me again if we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire the possibilities are endless i'll tell you about it when it happened in the race but to be honest with you it happened even before the race it happened in the training great cause oh thank you i just put it out man so you do you do it, man keep inspiring for all you kids out there Stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally
1: wrecked. I I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways.
0: How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you
1: know, finish a
0: 50-miler, I could probably run across the country. hundred miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 181. My name is Rob. I also go by training for ultra. As always, we have a really great episode. We're talking to Emily Howgood. She crushed Western States, but most recently she had an awesome UTMB. Let's hear more about it. Quick shout out to the show sponsors.
1: I'm Ethan Wayne, director of the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And I'm Molly, the race director for the John Wayne Grit Series.
0: My father, John Wayne, asked my family and I to use his name to help find a cure for cancer.
1: So we started the Grit Series. It's a series of 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons that take place in the most beautiful and rugged landscapes across the Southwest, including places where John Wayne shot some of his most famous movies.
0: That's right. And all the race proceeds go towards cancer research and prevention programs.
1: We're asking you to join us and bring your courage, strength, and grit to the fight against cancer.
0: For more information on a race near you, visit us at johnwayne.org. That's johnwayne.org. Stay dusty. Also, a big thank you to Tannery Outdoors. If you're interested, use uh, the promo code ULTRA10 for 10% off. But this is just a great company. You know, it's designed for runners by runners. Uh, the founder is an ultra runner and it's an all natural mineral based product, which in this era of, of sunscreen recalls and everything taking place there, it's just comforting knowing, um, this is, this is a, a good, honest company. And, um, it, it cares about the ultra running community. It cares about the trails and, in the national parks and state parks. I think 1% of their sales goes back into the park systems and they, they definitely support, you know, some really great ultra runners and ultra running podcasts. Thank you to Exoskin. Definitely check them out. T the number four U20 for, I think it's 15% off at this point. It, It ranges throughout time, but they have new colored toe socks and, you know, I'm a sucker for toe socks. I, I absolutely love those. Definitely throwing on the toe socks. Their calf sleeves are great. They now have underwear and compression tops. And I, I really am a big fan of almost all their products. I use them during all my races. So
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob. It's great to chat with you again.
0: I mean, I wanted to give you like six or seven hours fresh off the airplane back from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Before calling you Nailed and harassing, you. um, how are you feeling? What what's going on? How are you like jet lagged right now?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's a combination from the race and jet lag. Just like tired, in the you know, just like not physically tired, just like tired, tired. <laughs> like I could take a nap pretty much every hour <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but feeling like super super excited and thankful and grateful and filled up from just an amazing trip over there
0: so you're out there to run utmb i mean i can't recall exactly um when utmb came on your radar i think we had talked you had your epic western states sixth place finish correct i mean i I try to keep track Seven. of everyone. Seventh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so when did, like, how much time after Western States did you start thinking Chomini?
1: Um. So the race came on my radar uh, last year, actually. I was supposed, to, that was supposed to be my first 100K, 100 miler. Um, but when travel, like, was stopped, I did I Am Tough instead over here and yeah so that's kind of how I, so I had it on the calendar which ended up being after Western States and having 200 miles off to 300 Ks um, I mean obviously it isn't like everyone's first time going into the year but I think probably a couple weeks after to Western just kind of started getting excited about being able to travel overseas again and Uh, see my team and meet my Adidas team because they're you know it's a new team for me this year Um, and just get to be in those mountains again and um, actually like be on the course for the first time and explore and ultimately get the opportunity to race
0: so you're in a rare category now you do realize that right like it's (laughs) it's not it's not typical to convert success in Western States to then go and convert it at UTMB because they're totally different races. The temperatures are totally different. Just the environment, every most pretty much every aspect of the races are different other than they're about a hundred miles each. Um, Mm -hmm. How, how do you think you were able to convert that training for Western States to then go have a successful UTMB?
1: Um, I think for me, like, it just, Western States is very much, you know, you have to be quick. You have to be fast. You have to have that speed under your legs. Um, What UTMB is, obviously, and if you, you know, watched Courtney's race, like, she crushed it in 22 hours, which is just an incredible, incredible day. Um, And it's obviously fast and speedy. Um, But UTMB is a very big race, a lot of vert, a lot of, like, technical stuff just in terms of the weather's constantly changing. You run through the night to start, and then, you know, potentially you go into a second night to finish. And just the, like, time, being able to just, like, spend in the mountains, kind of playing after Western States, and just getting a lot of vert. And being in the mountains and like, yeah, just climbing, and descending, and spending time on the legs and staying awake and all of that. Uh, it was just like a new adventure, and I didn't, I didn't feel like it was super intense for training in terms of like, okay, now I have to get six minute miles under my legs. It wasn't that side of it. It was maybe my side strength more of like dealing with uncomfortableness or dealing with like toughness, tough terrain, tough things.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just blown away, honestly. And so how long had you been over in Europe kind of preparing and, and having fun in the mountains before the race?
1: Yeah, so um, Adidas made it possible for us to go out early and so I was there from the 7th of August. So I had a good couple weeks there before the race and like totaled up with like three weeks or almost four weeks being there um yeah and it was it was awesome I mean obviously like taper was squished in there too but I felt like there was enough time to get to see some of the course and just really enjoyed being in the European culture for a while
0: at what point did you feel like you were totally recovered and kind of having those thoughts like you know I could make a good go at this race was it at the last minute or was it early like even on the flight over uh, to Europe
1: yeah um, I had a good week the the week before I left like a good training block and felt really strong and excited and I think that's where it really started um, just being like Okay. Like the body's good. I haven't had any complaints from it in terms of like niggles or injuries or um my mind's not tired and so that really set me up to be in a good mindset when I got to Europe uh and looking at UTMB.
0: That's interesting. And and so um what what other notable events happened and then I I want to hear about the start line. It's I think The greatest start line in all of ultra and trail running.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, other events in terms of during the race or
0: just life events. I mean, catch me (laughs) up. Like, are you just having a beer with friends or like, how's, how's it going? Like the food there is amazing. Um, right. Like it was probably nice. Just touching base with like friends from around the globe.
1: Yeah. And so like you mentioned earlier too, it was the first time i met some of my teammates and so just getting to like live life together was really special. Um, obviously went over there with Abby and Cordis and Sabrina Stanley and, me and uh, Avery Collins and getting time to spend with them over there, like outside of America too, was really special. And us as like a community was really cool. Like going to the grocery store, making dinners, just hanging out. Obviously, meeting and getting to know different people on the team, and it was a small group to start, so that was really special. Um, and then just like exploring and figuring out the trains and the buses and going on solo adventures and.
0: All things. those buses! You just brought back a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> they stop working yeah, They they shut down so early You can't go anywhere Like after 9pm Or whatever it is
1: <laughs> That's so funny because I had a different experience Where I was trying to get back From Colmayer to Chamonix And the lost the bus Like there was one at 10 in the morning And then there was one at like 12 And then there was only one at midnight And I was like that's way too late <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. Who's So who's yeah. the better cook? I mean, did you guys cook at home at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, we okay, did. Okay, like um, Avery <laughs> or
0: Sabrina? That's that's what I'd like to juxtapose. Like, <laughs> I can see Avery uh, secretly being like a chef or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a pretty good chef for sure. Like often they would make extra and I would get some, like, you know, they would give me some food and stuff and... <laughs> Both of them cook some pretty good things like Sabrina's pancakes are really good. And Avery's steaks are really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think there might be a tie there. They're pretty good
0: cooks. That's, that's a, that's an episode we need to do, Emily. You can co-host and we'll have both of them on and we'll just talk food perfect. or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that um, would be great.
0: <laughs> so it seems like that's the perfect environment to really, relax and recover and get ready for this race i mean what's walk me through like day before this race are you nervous or are you excited confident i mean how are you feeling
1: yeah so i mean this is really special week with uh you can be at well with the ptl which is a little you know lesser in terms of telling the world about it but the tds race Starts on the Tuesday and so we had teammates in that um, and just seeing like everyone out there racing was like okay this is happening like we're, we're starting, we're a team, we're going for it it was highs and lows and disappointments and victories and just seeing the team like get behind everyone was the coolest experience I've ever seen and like from the TDS, we kind of just kept moving through the races. So there was the OCC race, which is 56 K, which is a super intense, quick, <laughs> speedy race. And we had, um, Robbie Simpson get second and Pet- Petra Engel get third. And that was super exciting and just bought the like life to the, the week too. And so then it rolled over into CCC and then UTMB started and, I like the day before I was so excited to race. I had been watching my teammates race and just seeing how much they'd given out there and how excited they were and, um, dealing with, you know, the highs and lows of races and disappointments or DNS for missed spots. And just to see them all give it their all on the day was, so inspiring and made like the day before i was just so excited to race it was so cool
0: (laughs) so were you feeling the pressure like your teammates are coming in with like great performances so you're like all right i guess i'm up now like were you almost looking at it like it's an olympic event in a weird way
1: yeah i mean definitely it does have that feel of being an olympic event but our team manager is just incredible in that and my coach too in both saying like you just have to give your best and that's all we can ask of you and so i didn't feel the pressure of like well i have to do this i have to do that it was like no i'm gonna go out there give it our best shot and whatever happens happens and yep
0: it was great (laughs) so how'd you deal with the time that the race starts because you don't have like a huge amount of experience with sleep deprivation uh, and the race starts, I think it's like 5 p.m. local time. So it gets yeah. dark quick and, and you haven't run in the dark that much, I'm assuming. So um, how did that play yeah. out? And just walk me through the start of the race and how how epic that start line is.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I only realized the day before the race that I'd actually run through the, through the night before. Because they would have been asking me, like, have you run through the night before? And I was like, nope. I've run into the night, and I've had a start at, like, 2 a.m., but I haven't run through the night. And then the day before, I talked to my coach, and it hit me that, like, I myself had been through the night. And so um, that was kind of exciting. Like, oh, I actually do have the experience of running the whole way through the night. And um, I made it, and I was fine, and everything worked out. And so going into it, I, I mean, I was kind of excited excited it was a brand new thing of having a 5 p.m. start it was we've all run into the night after a long day out so like and finished at midnight and so i ran into the night and you're tired when you get into the night you like go into the night and suddenly it's dark you have to turn your hair lamp on whereas this way i mean yes we ran for a few hours before it got dark but your body's still fresh you're still like excited to go and you're going and you have a lot of energy. So I feel like going into the night was not that much of a big deal. And I've had sleep depri- deprivation in like from traveling and things like that. So it's, it didn't scare me that I wasn't going to be able to sleep. But also um, I had started running later in the day. So my body was used to waiting all day and then running at 5 p.m. And that helped a lot, just like being like, Oh, it's five. Okay. I can start running right now. It doesn't feel like the end of the day. I'm exhausted.
0: Did you, did you sleep in, um, Friday morning? Like, were you trying to intentionally sleep in as late as possible that day of the race?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, like I slept in late, but not like too late. And then I got up and then I like went back to bed, but I just lay in my bed and just relaxed. And I think I took a nap at some point. Um, but I felt good. I, I think for me it was nice because you're not stressing about like waking up to an alarm or anything.
0: You're lucky you I wasn't get there.
1: To the day. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're
0: lucky I wasn't there. I would have, I would have burst in the room after like you start taking a nap and I would have been like, you're going to miss the race. Like I, I would have just <laughs> totally messed with you. Um, so, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so was it surreal getting ready for this race? Like, because you hadn't done any UTMB races prior, correct?
1: Correct, yeah.
0: So was it surreal?
1: Um, Yeah, it was totally surreal. It was just incredible to be there for that opportunity. Like, I really could feel, like, I think, you know, with COVID and stuff, we've had more of those feelings of, like, just being grateful to step up to any start line, and so it was kind of just increased by, like, I get to be back in Europe racing, and now I'm racing, like, UTMB. It was so wild, and the start is so cool, like, there's so many people, and everyone's really excited, and, you know, you get to, like, run through the streets, and there's just, like, people with their hands out, and you're high fiving the whole way, and I just i really soaked it in. Like, all the high fives I could get through the streets of Chamonix, I was getting. And that was a pretty special way to start a race like that.
0: Uh, could you understand the start line? Like, could you understand, like, when they actually said to start? Or was I just, like, the most rookie American in Europe? Like, during CCC's start, I literally. At least for CCC, I think it starts in Italy. So it was, like, all in Italian, and I couldn't understand yeah. anything. Um, like it, Yeah, so we actually had... Go ahead.
1: We had a really special start because we lost one of our trail run community in TDS. There was the accident, and he fell and died. And so they had, like, um, some time where one of his friends came up and spoke about him and, like really talked about him and dedicated his race to him. And then they translated it into all the different languages too. Um, and then, yeah, when they did the start, they were really good about doing English and French. And I understand French. I don't speak it, but I can understand it. So I understand it, understood a lot of it. And then the start is cool at UTMB because they actually use the song, like the UTMB Yeah. Uh, the ring, what's the name of the song is but yeah they use that and so i mean i didn't know when they were going to say go but we were watching the director the race directors and they were listening to the song and then like on the like three two one they just like made signs for it and then like told everyone to go so it was really really cool but i could see why it could be confusing to everyone
0: <laughs> I mean, I need to work on my french and and a bunch of other foreign languages. I'm just horrible at them. my My brain's so visual. Um, and so, did you go out at a five minute flat pace, or how did you hold back? How did you because the excitement there is palpable, like how how did you manage um for the first few miles?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you're all running together and you know, it's going to start off quicker and there's people running from behind you just trying to get ahead. And, um, I mean, I felt like we were running fast, like we were definitely running under seven minute miles for a little bit, but I wasn't scared of that. And taking in all the high fives and things like that, I think really helps me and kept me in the moment of like, you don't need to race, like let everyone go, you know, people go around you, but run strong, like, stay where you're at, feel comfortable. Um, and yeah, just like be smart when people are sprinting by. I didn't like, I sold Courtney for one second and she was gone and I was totally fine with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was, that's a whole, whole different episode. Um, and so, I mean, were, did you bring polls? Do any elites like actually use polls during UTMB? I think I remember Killian in Killian and Wamsley maybe two or three years ago um, with the most efficient poll uses I've ever seen. Um, and, and I didn't have an opportunity to watch that closely. Like, Were you contemplating yeah, so using those? Did you use them at all?
1: So everyone used them, but one girl who got top 10 didn't. Favorite, like all the elites used them.
0: And so how did you transition to even, you know, using those? Was that in the, the buildup um, or did you just trust that your arms would be fine? Cause just holding poles for 24 hours is a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I use them in my buildup. I use them in all my training and um, yeah, I actually never packed them away. I use them on both the ups and the downs when I needed to, I think I had them packed away at the start and the finish just to have my hands free.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, um, could you feel a difference? Cause you're a good climber regardless if you, if you have poles or not, did you think it mm-hmm. it was the right choice and that made you just more efficient for the race?
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, as you get tired later on in the race too, um, I think having poles helps a lot. I remember at i Tough thinking at mile 80 that it was, would have been really nice to have poles. And so, yeah, there wasn't a question for me that I was going to use them. Um, I got really excited and this training block was the first time I've kind of felt more efficient with them and not that they're slowing me down or getting in the way or am I tripping over them every five seconds. I think I finally figured them out.
0: <laughs> did you, did you spear anyone with yours or did you get speared? It's hard. I don't
1: think I those really cl- yeah, climbs, it's hard, but yeah. no, I think I managed to escape. <laughs> I, I'm sure I stabbed myself in the leg at some point, but I didn't kill anyone. So that's good.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> yeah. walk me through like the first quarter, half of the race, like, cause these are different aid stations. The excitement level's crazy, but then you also immediately go into the night. Um, just tell me how your race went.
1: Yeah, so the first part—I mean, it all just felt really relaxed and strong, and you're around people the whole time. Um, coming into every town at that—you know—before you go into the night, there's just people everywhere cheering and supporting, and so that start line feel just like continued for um probably like 20 miles in when we finally like saw our cruise it was like well I haven't really been on my own at all like I feel totally good and um and then it was like okay this is exciting like you're going into the night and in the first as it got dark there's a really big climb and we're all in it together and even at that point like people are falling apart and you're only 20 miles in or 22 miles in. And so seeing like Xavier on the side of the trail and stuff like this, it's like, okay, this ultra has begun.
0: <laughs> my gosh, I can't imagine losing my quads at ETMB uh, 25 miles in It'd be kind of
1: mm-hmm. rough. Um, yeah. Yep.
0: And, and so mentally, were you just in the zone? Like, was this feeling yeah. effortless?
1: It was feeling, like, yeah, effortless and just really exciting to be there. Like, I was just so over the moon with the opportunity of being there that everything felt light. And, I mean, yeah, you were working. It was definitely a race. <laughs> um, but the first third or whatever of the race was not the first third. I feel like the beginning is just a blip compared to the rest of the race. Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, getting into the night, I think that's where it kind of starts to really come alive that you're doing this and this is a big race, like something that should not be underestimated and it's going to get hard. And it got hard at the top of the first big climb or the second big climb because it was like cloudy and the wind was freezing and there's people up high in so many layers and jackets and it's cold. It was really cold um and then you have like a big descent into probably the first like well the next legitimate like aid station which is called shampoo i think and then there's like hot soup and people and <laughs> um but you're in the dead of night yeah there's a lot more night to go yeah
0: <laughs> Do you, i mean were you taking down soup because it's it's kind of perfect during those circumstances because mm-hmm. you're cold. You want to get warm, but then you also need sodium and whatnot. Plus, it's delicious. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soup was saving grace there. I mean, European aid stations are not like American aid stations. There's not options. Like, there's things there, but there's not much. And so, yeah, you just you get what you get.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The
1: soup was amazing for me. Yeah soup and cheese actually, I worked really well with
0: the cheese and then the fresh fruit
1: Interesting.
0: oranges and grapefruit yeah yeah fresh fruits game changer like you don't realize it until you don't have it because like grapes mm-hmm. were something that I've always oh. had um during the triple crown and then I don't believe I think they only had watermelon at Leadville this year which honestly I was thankful there was watermelon but for someone like you that's raised so many American races and you're used to like pickles, you know, all kinds of like just options. It is totally different, but it sounds like you had already kind of predetermined what you're going to zero in on food-wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are good at telling you like exactly what's going to be out there. But also like that's part of being an ultra. Like, yes, you can have a plan going in and this is what's going to work and this what isn't, but you actually have no idea. Like I've run a race before on Red Bull and uh, like Mars bars and that was totally unplanned and not <laughs> something I would suggest, but that's just what worked that day.
0: I mean, Red Bull, there you go. You got, you have someone, you have an ultra runner potential sponsorship here. Um. <laughs> Sugar-free or regular? I mean, I That's the big thing. I
1: couldn't take question. a shit this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny how you crave different foods, though. And so, mm-hmm. when did things really get tough? Because uh, this this is a hard race, even if you're middle back of the pack doing mm-hmm. a tour de soups. Like, I mean, you're pushing your body to the limits here. Um, you're trying to hold back, but just the difficulty of the climbs and everything involved here and the steepness of these climbs is very difficult to describe to most people that haven't been there. Um, when, when does it get really difficult, like around what mile and, and walk me through what's going through your head there?
1: Yeah. So you're constantly like, I think from, as soon as you go into the night, you're constantly figuring out or like dealing with uncomfortableness in some uh, shape or form, no matter where you are in terms of the field. Um, but I think coming into call My Air is a big point where like the mental side can get really tough for people because you're only 50 miles in, you've been out for 12 hours. Maybe you know longer or just a few hours shorter than that, and you still have fifty-seven miles to go with twenty-thousand feet of vert and.
0: Most people it's a, it's a can't comprehend long that. Most people right. don't it's get that, like twenty thousand feet of vert, and you said mm-hmm. fifty-seven miles because it's a hundred and seven-mile race. Right. That's, yeah, that's just nuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're feeling uncomfortable, if your stomach's turned, if you're feeling niggles or, you know, anything that can be a big hole to climb out of literally and figuratively, because the next thing you have on your plate is a, you know, 2000 foot climb into like a runnable section, but then like the biggest climb of the whole day up into Switzerland. Um and so, yeah, a lot of people, it's just too much, um, at that point. And how'd for me, the, I was, I was doing pretty good. I like, I knew that. Actually, up, that yeah, how,
0: how'd the climb up to Switzerland go? And sorry to interrupt you.
1: No, no, you're good. So like out of Colmaier, the first climb went really, really well. I was feeling good. Cause I'd seen my crew and, um, I felt like good. And they were like, you're having an A day and just was super excited and, I got really good food in, and, you know, that was really exciting. And so that climb was good. And then it got really cold, like, as the sun was coming up, which was beautiful. Like, Mont Blanc is right in your face, and the sun's coming up on it, just pinks and purples. And you look back, and Italy is the whole way behind you, and it's just gorgeous. Um, But it was freezing cold. And you're running along, and um, you drop into an aid station. And I put on, like, every item of clothing I had for the climb up to uh and it got really really cold there for me and it's a huge climb the wind is just howling switchbacks <laughs> switchbacks um, switch yeah. yep and yeah I was like I cannot climb like these guys just keep climbing ahead of me and passing me like I'm trying my hardest <laughs> 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 um so that for me was like the hardest hardest part, and I remember having a pep talk with myself, and I was like, "Emily, you're a really, really tough cookie." <laughs> I kept saying that to myself over and over again. So that was it was cool, um, but it was tough, and I'd like I had been struggling so hard, like I really wanted to cry just because like of that release of like you know emotion and thought in your head and everything, but I couldn't like there was no energy to. And it was just so yes. cold and I knew it. I started crying. Like I needed to breathe. And so I like ran over into Switzerland and the first aid station I got to, um, like you can't have crew there or anything. It's just the aid station. I remember sitting down and I just cried and I like, I had actually felt okay, but I like sat down and cried for a minute and the guy just like run with me the whole way. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, I just need to cry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That drop down is stunning. Like, it's a good grade if if you have legs there. Like, did you enjoy that at all? Or was it just like, I need to get to this aid station and, like, release these emotions, essentially?
1: Yeah, I think it was a hard part. I just, like, things had started bugging me, like my... You know, like, like my sports bra was too tight. So I ended up just taking off my sports bra in the middle of that race and like not running as one. And like, I was like, I can't fit this in my pack. And like, you know, so everything at that point just got like, I would get frustrated with little things, which was good because I think you don't think about how you're feeling, but you also frustrate yourself in like, um, little areas. But it's so gorgeous. Like the whole way is just really good to have that. And you obviously are still like racing. You can't be. But yeah, it does get hard. Like, I don't think it's all sunshine and roses all the time.
0: Were you. Especially in
1: those moments?
0: Were, were you still in like the top 10 there? Or like, what place are you in?
1: So I hadn't been in the top 10 yet.
0: Okay. And so were you yeah. feeling uh, some frustration just because mm-hmm. you knew there were, you know, a, a number of women in front of you?
1: Um, no, not really. I, there's so much race from only with like 30, 30 miles to go, like the last 30 miles is probably the biggest of the race in terms of racing. And so I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about where I was at in the field. I I was actually really stoked to be, I think I was 11th and then the girl passed me on that section. So I was in 12th. Um, and that's really exciting to be that close to the top 10 at that point.
0: What, what goes through your head when you're at ETMB in 11th and then like someone passes you? Was it like, like, <laughs> like good luck. Like I, I listened to your breath there and you're going to like be out of gas in 20 miles or, or like what's going through your head?
1: I mean, she passed me and she looked really strong and, but she was like, Hey, you're doing good. And I was, um, I was like, yeah, like I'm doing good. And she's like, I am not doing good, but she was running really strong. And so, um, I think you're just excited that, you know, especially us who've kind of held back a little are having a strong day, but also I'm like, dang it. Don't pause me because that means I have to pause two people to get a little job <laughs> <laughs> So
0: you, I mean, you had their numbers, you were, you're were watching carefully and kind of judging things, right? I mean, you're running within Not, yourself, but then you're also trying to balance that, which is a whole different aspect of running.
1: Yeah. So I was lucky that like my crew could just tell me where I was. Cause I had no idea. Like when you run in the night and stuff, you, you don't see who passes you or, um, at the beginning, who's gone ahead and who's behind. And so, yeah, I only knew I was in 12th when I popped into Switzerland, but I'd heard I was in. I think I was in 12th, 11th or 12th in air, I think. But people like had walked out of aid stations and walked back to the drop. So it was an interest. it's an interesting um, race. It's not like Western States where you see the person <laughs> mm-hmm. um, drop out or, yeah, it was just, it was, I don't know.
0: And so, I mean, continue that last second half of the race I mean you you made it up uh you know one of one of the most difficult climbs I still think the very I want to say it's the last climb or second to last climb actually is the steepest and hardest to me just because it was night for me or whatever and I looked Mm -hmm. up and I couldn't distinguish headlamps from stars um that's how steep it is and, like, people mm-hmm. think I exaggerate that in my book, but I'm, I mean, I literally, I couldn't tell. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was that climb? I'm trying to recall the second to last. Um,
1: so, the last climb is out of, of Alistine going up to Les Is it that one? Which is, like, really, really steep and the switchbacks and you pop um, up onto the ridge before you drop down? Or the one before, out of Triant?
0: I think out of Triant is the okay. one that stuck with me. That's a small little town that you basically. What's the sm- yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that one just you ride by me. the church
1: and then you yes. go onto the switchbacks. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. You you take switchbacks steep yeah. down into that like super steep yeah. switchbacks, and then yeah, that climb after that aid station still haunts me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yep. I can see that. I think a lot of people, <laughs> it's a big line for sure.
0: How are you, um, how are you feeling doing the switchbacks down into Triant and then walk me through the rest of your race?
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, into Triant you said?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause okay. those, those stupid switchbacks are like never ending. They're like brain jarring. <laughs>
1: Right, right. Um, so it was the first time I'd seen my team, like my Adidas team for the day, at, like, coming into Triant, They were on the road, and then I saw them later. So I was really, really excited. And I'd also asked for uh, donuts and coffee. Oh, I'd asked for donuts. <laughs> so I was really excited that there were going to be donuts at the aid station. And my crew was like, okay, in 15 minutes, like, when you get to us, you can have donuts. And... <laughs> I was like, oh, it's going to be quicker than 50 minutes. If <laughs> 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 and so I love those switchbacks. I ran really strong down there. Your,
0: uh, your donut switchbacks.
1: Yep. They were my donut switchbacks. Yep. And so I was really excited and just having the team there was super, super cool. Um, and I sat with them, my coach in the aid station and he had got coffee too. He's like, well, I want you to try drink some coffee and so I downed one <laughs> he was like, Whoa, okay. You want to drink two? And so I ate a donut and downed another one and then went <laughs> out. Um, and I knew it was going to get cold. So I took a jacket and then, yeah, I powered up that hill.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> <Donut
1: springs. laughs>
0: most important question this entire interview, what, what type of donut? I mean, are we talking glazed, chocolate, powdered sprinkles? What? What it donuts glazed?
1: glazed? Yes, it was. It had icing on the top, and it was like white icing with like brown stripes on it.
0: <laughs> Thing of beauty, and the coffee. Mm-hmm. Were you concerned that the coffee would make you dehydrated, or were you just like, "Give me caffeine, I don't care. I'm not drinking Red Bull after that one race." I did.
1: Um. No, I like. I didn't even thought about coffee at all. Like I. Hadn't asked for it or anything. I think they had got it. My crew had got it because they wanted coffee. They were getting tired. <laughs> he
0: drank all and, their coffee and ate all their <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't worried about that. I knew my stomach was going to start working and I definitely had to stop and poop a couple times. <laughs> yeah. But apart from that, like, yeah, at that point in the race, you're so, like, anything is going to not make you dehydrated or whatever. You just have to drink and eat as much as you can.
0: I mean, not to get gross, but. Were you? I can't recall porta potties at this race. I don't think I went to the bathroom for CCC. Um, wow. Well, do Do they have porta potties <laughs> there, or like? I just,
1: think at the age station you, you just might, down but, two
0: yeah. giant cups of coffee. I'm just thinking to myself, like, all right, you're like within the five minute window, and you're also no, at an I, elite. I, like, I mean, yeah. from elite perspective too. I'm trying to like work through this.
1: Everyone's got to poop.
0: <laughs> I totally agree. I'm just thinking of it from a race mm-hmm. perspective. I've never never had to think that way. Um,
1: yeah.
0: How was the climb?
1: I just
0: jumped in the bush and it was fine. Jumped in the bush? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how was the climb out? Because, again, it's one of the steeper ones. It might have just been time of day for me. Like, it was, I think it was like... 2am or something for me, uh, during CCC uh, a few years back. So how was that climb? And then the descent and then the, the final climb, I got to hear how that went.
1: Yeah. So finally it was like, okay, we can start racing because, you know, it's getting to that point where you still have lots of hours, but you can actually race now. <laughs> um, and the, the girl coming out of Triant, I passed a girl coming in. So the next girl behind me, she was coming. And so I was really like, I am not going back into... Well, I was in 11th by that point because someone had dropped out. And so I was like, I'm not going back into 12th place. <laughs> like, she is not catching me. So I just motored up that climb and... Yeah, felt really strong and coming down. I never had a problem all day running downhill. I was totally fine on the downhills, which was nice. Um, and then so ran into Vallecine and pretty much did exactly the same thing, like ate a donut, drank two cups of coffee, and ran out of Vallecine. And when I got to the road crossing before you start that big climb,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, right I...
1: Yeah, all the people were like, no one has run up this road in two hours.
0: So that was
1: really kind of exciting to have run up and have that kind of mindset. And then someone told me that Ragna dropped ahead of me, which I didn't believe really, because I was like, why would you do that? Why would you climb all the way on the last climb and then drop?
0: Why would not you just keep
1: going down to the finish? And so I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like technically, it also put me in 10th place. So it's was kind of excited at the same time. And so I was like, okay, well, I mean, like, last time, you just have to give it everything. So I was hiking up, and I, it was super, super special. There were a bunch of Ibex up there that had to, like, get off the trail for me and, like, were just around. And the sun was starting to go down on Mont Blanc, and it was just gorgeous. Like, it was incredible. Um that was probably the spot where I was by myself, like for the longest. I think that climb I did all by myself. I don't think I passed anyone or had anyone toss me. And so
0: just you and the Ibex,
1: just me and the Ibex up on Mont That's Blanc, like looking so at Mont Blanc with the sun going it's down. It's so
0: <laughs> steep. And I, I can't yeah. recall. Cause I think they rerouted uh, the year I did it, but okay. I mean, some of those climbs are like, you're it's like a, a three foot almost like a boulder-ish type just like yep. you got to go straight up and then you move like mm-hmm. two feet forward and then it's another kind of straight up climb and it's just relentless I mean are your legs yep. not hurting at all or are you just so in the oh. zone and are you just your in the moment are,
1: my legs are hurting from like 70 <laughs> miles <in. laughs> like when someone told me I had 30 miles ago I was like oh my gosh Really? That's a long (laughs) way. Yeah. Um, No, your legs are hurting. (laughs) Guaranteed. And so how do
0: you, Um, how do you deal with that pain? How do you set it aside and like come to terms with it?
1: In college, I had a professor that told me ultra running was, um, the, like you were guaranteed to be in pain. And you just have to at peace with it. I don't know why that's always stuck with me. Um, like yeah, I mean your legs are gonna hurt, but it doesn't mean you can't run or you can't like do things. I don't know how I like overcome the pain factor, but I could still move forward. You know, like as long as you can put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and take a step, like you can move forward. And the faster you can do that, or but keep doing that the faster
0: you can get to the finish. I like it. I mean, I always remind Mm -hmm. myself everyone else, like it's, this is probably the hardest part of the race. Everyone else Mm -hmm. is suffering. Like this isn't just you and deal with it. And I think just having that thought alone gives me an edge sometimes where other people can't get beyond just the suffering that they're in. Um,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I I like that perspective. And so the sun's setting. Did you get to the top before the sunset?
1: Yes, I turned on my lamp when I left the aid station there.
0: In it, it, so, the sun's setting, correct? It's not rising.
1: Right, right. Okay. Setting,
0: yeah. And so you yeah, ra- you raced so, the sun to the top, and then
1: mm-hmm.
0: how was the descent? Because. There's parts of that descent that are just uncomfortable, like it's a grade. Yeah. it's a grade that just uh, humans weren't really designed to to do that grade. <laughs> like that's more of an yeah. ibex and uh, bighorn sheep territory.
1: That's true. Um, I my biggest mistake was, and I didn't realize it. I thought I was just tired, but my headlamp was actually really dim. And so I couldn't really see. And it was bad because I had my spare batteries right in my pocket. Like, I could have easily changed my head and batteries, but I didn't. So I, I, I slowed down just because I couldn't see. And, like, I, at one point I twisted my ankle. Um, and I was like, dang, I can't see this right now because I know that it's a long descent down. Um, and like you said, like, it's super steep. So I ended up just running a little slower, mostly because I couldn't see. I couldn't see the roots and rocks and stuff properly. Um and it only hit me when I got down with like two and a half K to go when someone was standing on the trail and had a headlamp on. I was like, Whoa, I can see the trail
0: <laughs> wow. And so that
1: was my biggest mistake and probably why I like ran slower coming down there. Not because of like the like the scent or anything. Like, yes, it was hurting, but I'd like practiced with my poles you know, running on cold legs on tired legs coming downhill. And so it's, techie. I felt okay. I it's, just, I had, I like it's wanted to get there. In and I also couldn't see the trail. There,
0: There's sharp rocks, um, maybe like five miles yeah. from the finish where it's mm-hmm. like super techie to the point where a lot of people will just yeah. walk for like a mile. Cause it just, it's mm-hmm. not worth the risk. And then you're doing that yeah. without even like a, a really bright headlamp. That's pretty unbelievable. And mm-hmm. so, what did it feel like to finally reach this, like the city streets?
1: It was. It was. I don't even know. It was the coolest thing ever. Like, my team was there, up uh, like where the streets start, and you hit the bridge and like run over. You climb over a bridge, cross the road. And it was just like magical. It was, oh my gosh, it was, I can't even explain it. It was so cool. And you run down the river and you you take this like right turn and you take the left turn, you know, into Mm -hmm. the streets. And there were just people everywhere and a whole like tunnel of people doing like the Mexican wave. And my teammates were just everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then they loop you around like away from the church. So you kind of have a longer run up to the finish. And I looped around there and my teammate Ruth Croft was standing on the corner and I just stopped and I gave her this huge hug. And then. Did you know you just, were in
0: t- 10th place? Or were yeah. You still yeah. On? Okay. People so you knew it at, at it. that
1: point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I, there was just like kids in the middle of the like finish shoot, really wanting high fives and everyone was there. And you could just like, I just, I really lived it up at that finish year. <laughs> Like It was it, just incredible. Like it blew my mind and just hugging my teammates and then like finally crossing the finish line and giving my coach like the biggest hug. Um, and my t- my team manager was there and then they like interview you. And I like <laughs> I was like, I don't know why they're asking me questions right now. I can't really think to give on just <laughs> sure if they want to. <laughs> um and then like running back down the chute to give everyone high fives and everyone's cheering and supporting and then running back and uh, my Adidas team like picked me up and I had my flag and it was just such a cool like team environment that just made it so special and I've watched the videos over and over and I just like cry every time and people have shared how special it was to watch from far away and yeah it was just there's something magical about that finished shoot
0: <laughs> i mean are you are you the first from your country to finish in the top ten? So I don't
1: even know if anyone's raced there yet. I need to go back now and do my like find out if people have actually run. I don't know if anyone from Zimbabwe's actually run YouTube
0: and when you come through the finish line, did your coach say anything to you?
1: Uh, um did he I gave him like the biggest hug and I don't
0: know he probably did and he can't remember
1: (laughs) yeah we probably I don't know he was probably just like I'm so proud of you because I was just like thank you so much and yeah did your special to share that
0: what was it like to uh talk to your your parents after this one because I know you're pretty close to them
1: yeah, it was really cool. So they had been really excited to watch and support from afar. And I I got a ride back to my apartment to shower. And before I even got in the shower, I called them and I was laying on the ground. And I actually felt like really sick and just like tired and <laughs> just like so exhausted. But I was like lying on the ground and talking to them. And it was just it was so special. Like they were like, we're so proud and we're so excited to like been able to watch it and everyone who shared everything and they yeah they were over the moon it was really really special to talk to them and yeah I just I think I cried because I was like I'm so tired I don't (laughs) like I wanted to talk to you guys I don't know what to say like it was so amazing and but the hardest thing I've ever done and it was so cold at points and yeah it was pretty magical to get to share it with them like that night
0: I mean, I'll just ask you one or two here, and I I really appreciate you sharing all this. Like, how's Western States compared to UTMB? Was it more magical going around the track or or going through this finish line? And I know they're totally different, but like, is there Mm -hmm. any similarities? I don't know of similarities.
1: They're very, very different journeys. Um And, like, very unique and special in their own way, which is really cool. I think, like, Western States, you can't match the, um, like, crowd and community, like, high fives and stuff at the finish. But also, I came in at midnight in uh, Auburn. And so, there wasn't very many people there. So, that just may have been one of the reasons. Whereas in Germany it was, like, 10 o'clock and everyone's out, Um, you know, so maybe that. But, like, Weston was so special, too. Like, I had my um, college professor, Matt Lay, there. He's Tyler Green's coach. And it was a surprise to see him and obviously, like, training on the course for Weston for so long and knowing the history and, like, having my coach there and, like, knowing how special it is to him and finishing top ten after like such a journey it was just so so different like both of them were just incredible <laughs> yeah i love both of them
0: <laughs> i mean i i can't imagine uh you know i have been through the magical experience of that finish line but nowhere near the number of people in that level of excitement and just you know i i'm just incredibly proud like i i Seriously, I feel like just yesterday we were chatting and you were going into Western States, having had just the roughest path to golden ticket I've ever heard of. And talk about never giving up and making the most of your opportunities. Like, it's just so exciting for you. I mean, you've basically just had the most amazing year. And I have a good feeling that next year you'll probably get into some good races, like pretty much any race you want to get into now um, mm-hmm. since you've proven yourself globally. So, I mean, my last question is just like, what advice do you have for someone that's DNF their past two races in the past two weeks? And um, dreams of, of running UTMB next year and has, has a ticket, and is probably gonna go run u t m b like um but in all and I'm talking about myself there um but in yeah. all seriousness like the the advice you'd have for someone that wants to go after western states or u t m b or whatever their dream race is, do you have words of wisdom to share just on on going after your dreams because you're someone that did not give up? And you just made the most of this year.
1: Well, thank you. First, like, thank you so much for saying that and for being proud of me and obviously for all your support really like means a lot. And, you know, knowing that people are out there supporting you when you're on the trails too is a huge motivation to keep going and keep pushing and not give up from race to race and, even, you know, if people are critics or don't think you can achieve it. Like there's so many more people that like believe in you and support you. And the community has been incredible. Like just my family and my friends and my trail running community and Adidas and my Gage 20 teammates and everyone, like it's been, it's been really special. Um, So thank you. And my advice going in is like, like these are big races and, don't underestimate what they are. But also don't underestimate yourself. I think, like, give yourself every opportunity. Be smart when you race. Like, look after yourself. Don't just think, like, oh, I can go out there and just tough it out and I'll be okay. Like, no, you have to, like, give yourself every chance to have a good day. So look after yourself when you can't, like, eat. Like, take five minutes on the side of the trail and get something in when you can't drink, like stop and drink something. If you're, if you're cold, like stop and put your jacket on, like really give yourself every opportunity to succeed and, um, you know, put in the training, like really give yourself like the opportunity to do well. When you're in that dark place, like know that they will be lows. They will be like hard times when Maybe you don't feel like giving up, but, like, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, is this even possible? Like, yes, it's possible. Like, you, if you can put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward, like, it's possible. And, like, obviously there are injuries and things that take people out and DNFs do happen. But if it was your best on that day, like, there's nothing to be disappointed about in terms of, like, yourself and your effort and what you gave. Like, bad stuff happens in races or, you know, being smart and DNFing and pulling yourself out of a race is not um, the end of the world. Like, you're still here today and you have big things to achieve tomorrow. And just by you, like, taking responsibility for that and understanding that, like, you're an amazing athlete, like, if you can make those hard decisions and continue on. So like you, me listening to even you, Rob, saying like, I've had two DNS and what do I do for like next year when I have big dreams to be at UTMB, be be at Weston, be at another race. Like the fact that you like have that head turnaround already, that you're already looking forward to what's coming. It's so strong for in a race. So like the next time when you're like, okay, like I felt like this before and maybe it stopped me. Yeah. But like, how far can I get today? Like, how can I make this different from like last time? Like, how can I keep moving forward? And maybe that does mean like sit in an aid station for five more minutes, get warm, and then keep moving. Or it means, like you said, like walk a mile um, and take some time and actually like go for it. Or if it just means like, okay, bust it out as hard and fast as I possibly can, <laughs> because I really, really want to get to the finish line right now. Um, or find some joy, like in the strength of like what you get to do. Like I was really excited about being able to race for the last few miles or well, the last
0: I can't 30 imagine. miles,
1: like having girls that close to me was kind of exciting because It wasn't like, oh, I'm just grinding this out by myself to finish. It was, oh, I can, like, try and catch that girl ahead, even though she is so strong. But I can, like, try and keep the girl behind me not there. Um, Yeah, just, like, remember why you love to run. Like, and that you get that opportunity to be out there. And, yeah, I hope everyone, like, gets to follow their dreams. I know like, opportunities, um, you know, for everyone in different ways. And I really, really hope that it's possible for everyone to follow their dreams.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. And Emily, congratulations on such a phenomenal year. And you are, you just, you show like the essence of ultra running. If I've ever seen it, not giving up, failing for your golden ticket so many times until you get it. And then you've now entered the extremely rare, Territory of a top 10 at Western States, and in the same year, a top 10 at UTMB. So, just huge congrats, and let's hit the trails next time you're in Colorado. Stay in touch, as always, and just appreciate all your time today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate you and taking the time to chat with me. (laughs) It's been really special poking it through.
0: And that was episode 181. Big thank you to Emily, as always, for taking so much of her time. Just huge congrats, I I mean I truly think she's possibly the first person from her country to take a top 10 at UTMB. She's in rare categories now that she's taken a top 10 at Western States and UTMB in the same year. And she's like the nicest person ever. She's totally just open, honest, and and just a a real nice, good person. So I'm thankful to be friends with Emily and she's going to have a heck of a a 2022 coming up. So amazing job. And I, I truly am proud of her response to such a tough track to getting the golden tickets. So huge congrats. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. We'll have an episode coming up tomorrow. Still listening at this point, you do know the episode is already over. All right, here's a secret insight. NBC Universal has hooked me up with a Kichoki signed T-shirt that's going to be framed, and I am going to give it away. Just stay tuned. This is exciting. It's actually kind of a valuable item. I wish I could keep it for myself. But yes, I'll have a signed Kichoke shirt that's framed that NBC Universal's hooked us up with. So stay tuned.